0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the quartelini podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Louie. Today, we will be speaking to, uh, in my opinion, the godfather of English-language Portuguese football content, been a massive influence behind this podcast, as well as my uh, passion for Portuguese football. He is the founder of Portugal.com, the author of the 13th chapter and a journey through Portuguese football uh, it is my pleasure to welcome back Tom Cundert to the podcast how are you doing today Tom?
1: Yeah I'm great Zach wow (laughs) that's some welcome uh thank you very much and yeah good to speak to you again how are you doing?
0: Doing very well we've got a lot to discuss um and you know Tom you know when when, sometimes when you take screenshots of a league table they, they won't show all of the teams uh because of you know the screenshot Um, I took a screenshot of the Portuguese league table after four games today. Uh, Benfica are at the top of the table with 12 points. Only team to have won every single match. Braga, two points behind them with 10 points, but should be noted, have scored 17 goals from four games, okay? Only Paris Saint-Germain have scored more with 18. Uh, You've got Porto and Portimonense a point behind Braga, and then uh all the way at the bottom of my screenshot in 13th place we see your beloved sporting uh who are who are 13th in the table although it should be noted that they are level on points with 14th place Rio Ave and 15th place Famalicão as well as 3 points uh ahead of Santa Clara and four points above Pasos De Fajera, and Maricimo, the only two teams without a point, the only two teams in the relegation zone. Uh, what's up with that, Tom? Can you explain to me why your beloved sporting are 13th in the table?
1: <laughs> oh, dear. yeah, it's a bad, bad start for sure. I think uh, it's obviously, it's, it's quite easy to say now, I suppose, but it seems like the squad planning didn't uh, didn't go to plan. It wasn't, it certainly hasn't turned out that way. And I think it was a very big blow for for Sporting to lose Mateus Nunes uh, just before, uh, well, you know, kind of a couple of weeks before the end of the transfer market, uh, before the end of the, the window closes, when all indications before were that he would stay. And so he was obviously part of, um, you know, part of the plans for Ruben Amarin and, uh, you know, such an influential player, one of the best players in Portugal, without a doubt. And to lose him, uh, suddenly was, was a big blow. I know Tabata, uh, Bruno Tabata had been let go about a week before Nunes was sold. And the thinking was that, uh, you know, Tabata would be sold because he wouldn't be getting much playing time because of Mateus, uh, playing in that position. And, uh, and now perhaps sporting were. Uh, but, you know, you, you also you can't just kind of blame this all on one exit, can you, one departure. A drop off in quality uh, at Sporting this season has really come back to bite them. I mean, uh, Pablo Sarabia, as you know, Zach, a contender for player of the season, last season in Portugal. Uh, you know, a season loan from PSG, real quality there, you know, a full Spain international and he showed Order quality you'd expect from someone of that stature, you know, playing for PSG, and uh, just a great player he was. A great season he had, and uh, and he left uh, Polina. You know, look what he's done straight away in the Premier League, you know, made people stand up and take notice of him, and uh, and Mateus Nunes. You know, so that's uh, that's three very big players that Sporting have let go and really have not adequately replaced them.
0: yeah absolutely and looks looking at sporting's business they've lost two set, two, two midfielders in Mateus Nunes and Joel Palhinha to premier league sides wolves and fulham uh they've brought in Hidamasa Morita, uh japanese midfielder from Santa Clara as well as uh Sotiris Alexandropolis uh young midfielder from uh um so it's clearly a downgrade in quality. We'll see how well both Subtitus as well as Amorita do alongside Manuel Ugarte in midfield. Um I do think that you know everybody's talking about Mateus and Paulinha and how big of a of a loss they are in the center of the pitch. I do think that perhaps an even bigger uh exit was Pablo Sarabia. Obviously you know it was a foregone conclusion that he would return to Paris Saint-Germain after his fantastic loan spell but you know Sporting they've brought in Francisco Trincao and Rosinha they expected Marcus Edwards to you know take that step up from a bench player to a, a you know a a player capable of of uh filling Sarabia's impact and overall those three players have have failed to to uh to to get the baton from Sarabia. And no shame in that. Sarabia is a fantastic player. It was always expected that they were going to struggle in some regards. But it seems now that they are uh, trying to sign another winger in Arthur Gonj, uh from Estoril. Uh, if you haven't yet, definitely check out the exclusive interview I did with Arthur just a few months ago um, on breaking the lines, had the chance to interview him. Arthur joining from uh, Santos last summer and doing fairly well in his debut Primera campaign. Seems like he will become the next Estorio player to get a big move after Andre Franco, who I also interviewed for Breaking Lines. Uh, Andre Franco joining, uh, Porto at the start of the month. Arthur Gomes looks like it will be, uh, Sporting's next arrival. Curious to hear your thoughts on this, Tom, because, you know, on the one hand, I'm glad Arthur is getting this move. But on the other hand, Sporting have a plethora of wingers right now. They don't really have a plethora of center forwards. You know, you compare their center forwards to Benfica, Braga, or Porto, it's clearly an inferior position. Okay, uh, and I just don't know why they would would be putting that money towards, for example, someone like Fran Navarro on Gil Vicente. Um, it, it's an interesting one, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Sporting. What where Sporting's priorities need to be over the next few days and your thoughts as well on the move for Arthur Gomes.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think it's rocket science. I agree with you, Zach, and I think most Sporting fans would agree the priority position is a centre-forward. Sporting, the only really recognised centre-forward they have is Paulinho, and he really hasn't perhaps justified a very expensive price tag he came with. He's been reasonable for Sporting. But, uh, you know, hasn't by uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He's out injured at the moment. And, uh, yeah, and so there's absolutely no doubt that we at Sporting need a new winger. You know, it's, uh, uh, sorry, a new striker. Uh, like you said, we've got, uh, got players like Marcus Edwards. Uh, even, the, you know, they've got a, this whole plethora of, of wingers. You know, Roshini came in as well. And uh, Artur, to be honest, is uh, a decent player. I saw him a couple of weeks ago, uh, Estoril against Rio, uh, against Rio Ave. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's a good player. There's no doubt about it. Sporting wouldn't be in for it if he didn't have quality. But I really don't think, I, I wouldn't say he's that much better or that much uh, potential than someone like uh, Marcus Edwards, you know, or uh Roshina perhaps or even the, the new guy uh Fatawa. I know he's very young, but he's looked quite uh you know lively when he's been given the odd chance. And uh so yeah I don't really see how this would uh you know improve sporting situation and I agree with you entirely that a centre forward is the number one priority. Uh Navarro there's been quite a lot of talk about going in for him. Uh you know he's obviously been a regular goal scorer for Gilles Vicente. And so he knows the Premier League very well. Uh, I really can't understand why Sporting didn't go in for Simon Banza, you know, after such a fantastic season he had last season at Femali-Cal, uh, scoring what, I'm not sure, is it 15, 17 goals or something like that? And, uh, you know, for a club which, to be fair, struggled for, for quite a long stretch of the season, uh, his goal, I've gone to Braga, of course, a better team where he's getting more chances and he's just uh, tearing it up, top scorer at the league at the moment. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's one that got away. And uh, yeah, I think without doubt, Sporting badly need a, a centre forward, I would say, to try and improve their chances of having a successful season.
0: Sporting taking three individual leads and yet drawing 3-3 at Braga on opening day uh, following that up with a 3-0 win at home against newly promoted Rio Ave, losing 3-0 uh, to Porto before losing 2-0 at home to newly promoted shops And now, Tom, your website, Portugal, has done a fantastic uh, new series, Talk of the Town, where they really go into shops uh, Grupo Desportivo shops show for for the next few minutes, you are uh, BTL's resident shovs expert. What what do the people need to know about this team? Uh, they're back in the Primera after a few years, um, and you know, doing fairly well. Sixth in the table, uh, level with fifth place Estorio, as well as fellow newly promoted side Casapia, seventh place. So doing fairly well. Um, beating Sporting at their own ground, beating Maricimo, drawing to Vizela, and uh, narrowly losing to Vitoria de Guimaraes. Uh, overall, a very impressive return so far to the top flight under manager Vitor Campelos. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. What do the people need to know about
1: Chaves? Yeah, well, Chaves, you know... Like you say, fantastic start to the season, especially when you consider they lost their first match at home to Vitoria. But, uh, you know, since then, you had two wins and a draw, including that historic win here in Lisbon on Saturday night. I was at Alvalade to see them beat uh, Sporting 2-1. And you have to say it was a thoroughly deserved victory. You know, it wasn't kind of a smash and grab result, which you sometimes see with these smaller teams just parking the bus and then scoring on the break. No, not really. Of course, Sporting had the majority of the play in the first half, but in the second half, Shaves showed more ambition, uh, played really well, scored two good goals, uh, had opportunities to score uh, one or two more as well, and uh, really completely deserved that victory. It was no fluke at all. So, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, team, Shav's, and it's a very interesting place. Uh, you, I'm glad you mentioned that talk of the town because it's a, a new feature of uh, the site portugal.net where we will be uh, picking out clubs from all over portugal not just the big clubs and yeah having a kind of deep dive into their history location the, uh what what kind of situation the team are in at the moment also uh, a little bit of information about different parts of, uh, of portugal and yeah charles really nice place right on in the north of portugal just about 10 kilometers from the northern border of spain it's really cut off from the rest of portugal really it's from a region called uh, arajos montes i don't know if you've been there Zach. it's uh, really in the north of portugal and that that region Tarazos montes translates as beyond the mountains which is really a, you know a very descriptive way of describing that that region and also, kind of lets you know why it's cut off a little bit from the rest of from the rest of Portugal. Uh, I think it's about 150 or 200 kilometers from from Porto. So really, uh, you know, not much going on over there, but they've got a, a absolutely fervent fan base. They really back their team. Uh, it's really it's, it's it's really kind of a um, really good to see as well. Uh, you know, you see sometimes in Portugal, it's such a, a league which is so dominated by the big three. Everyone seems to be a supporter of uh, Benfica, Porto or Sporting. Even when these clubs go to away games, uh, you know, all over the country, quite often they have more supporters than the actual home side. But that's definitely not the case with Shav's because Chaves, uh, first of all, it's quite difficult to get there. <laughs> right, uh, you know, right in the northern tip of... Portugal Uh, and uh, secondly the you know the fans they just they're just really proud of their team really passionate fans and uh, yeah and amazing fans really even uh, here in Lisbon you know there was about maybe 200-300 fans in the away section that not that may not sound like you know many but in Portugal it's quite unusual for teams outside the big three you know, to take uh, you know that that many travelling fans, and you have to bear in mind this was a game played on Saturday night. Kickoff time was eight fifteen pm uh, from Schabs to, to to Lisbon. I don't know the exact distance, but I think it's over five hundred kilometres, you know, or four or five hundred kilometres. so so those guys were making a round trip of about one thousand kilometres to support their team. In a game which they'd ne- in a venue where they'd never won in their whole history. And uh, so you can imagine <laughs> what they were like. You know, it was really terrific to see. You had these 200, 300 shouts fans pretty much out shouting, making more noise than the, you know, 30, 30 odd thousand. I think it's 32 or 33,000, the crowd, uh, you know, the, the rest of the sporting fans. And so yeah, it's a, it's a good club. It's a good club and it's uh it's a place, it's a nice place, and it's a, a club that I'd recommend anyone to go if they if they get the chance. And uh and they've got some good players, you know, they showed that absolutely on Saturday. The amazing thing was uh, they actually, like I say, got a thoroughly deserved win, and it was out really, it was without their star player, their captain. And their talisman, aswalta Teixeira, you know really classy number ten. He, really everything goes through him, but he was suspended for this match. so he wasn't even playing. Uh, but you know everyone else stepped up. It was a good team effort. they've got some interesting players. Uh, the winger uh, aswal Bachi, for example, he 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 caused quite a lot of problems for sporting. Uh, they've got some they've brought in some good experience, uh, Stephen Victoria a actually Canadian Luso player. Yeah, I think he plays for the Canadian national team. He uh, is a player who's been kicking around in the Portuguese league for a long time. Uh, he was even on Benfica's books for a while, although so I don't think he, he ever got to play for them. He's a good, solid performer. He scored a fantastic header on Saturday. Uh, they've brought in Luther Singh, which is an interesting signing as well, as centre-forward who I'm sure you'll remember... Uh, Zach from a couple of years ago he was at Passos de Ferreira uh, you know really lively striker scored quite a lot of goals for them so yeah I expect him to do well so uh, so yeah they're you know they're looking in good shape they're, they're a club who years ago their heyday was kind of in the 70s and 80s they were always in the top flight uh, they used to actually be one of the stronger teams in Portugal for a while towards the late 80s got into Europe a couple of times uh but then they they uh went downhill they got relegated i think before the turn of the millennium and they really uh you know the club went through a bit of a, a dark period in their history i think they went right down to the district divisions or a third tier fourth tier and there was even some talk that they might go bankrupt but uh then an interesting thing happened they uh the local the president uh or a local businessman won Euro Millions, and so what did he do? Uh, he he bought shops, or he kind of took over <clears throat> their management, installed his son as the president, and they've been gradually, uh, you know, working their way back up, uh, doing things the right way. I think, you know, uh, bit by bit, getting the right people in the right positions to to make to, to give them solid foundations. And uh, and yeah, they're back in the top flight now. And certainly on the evidence of the season so far, I think they should be able to hold their own uh, without too much trouble.
0: Fantastic stuff on Shavs. Uh Just one day after Shavs shocked Sporting and won at the Stadio Jose Alvalade, uh, Porto, paying a trip to Villa de Conde, and taking on newly promoted Hioav, Hioav losing their first few games to Vizela and Sporting, uh, drew to Estoril Praia before beating Porto three-one. Okay, this is a Porto team that, let's not forget, had only lost um, one match last season. In fact, uh, one one match in the league to Braga, and that was their uh first loss since october 2020 and yet they lose to qov a side that is is back in the is back in the top flight um you know spent one year in the second division been kind of a whirlwind few years getting to the uh primer, getting getting to uh a fifth place finish in 2019-20 getting relegated the following season finishing first in the second division and uh, getting a very impressive victory against Sergio Conceição's Porto. And, uh, Rio Ave taking the lead, taking a 3 nothing lead before halftime thanks to a brace from Guinean striker Aziz. Porto uh, did get a penalty at the hour mark. Meritaremi's effort came off the woodwork and uh, Porto only getting a goal a constellation goal in the final minute from Tony Martinez uh before we get into Porto let's talk a little bit about this other newly promoted side Hugh of you know what did you make of this performance from them and uh obviously they are not at the same they they, they do not have the same amount of points as Casapia or Shavs right now but uh this has got to be a fantastic mentality booster for them beating Porto
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it's what, right what you said there again, Zach. They've been kind of an up and down few years, of course. They've they've been in the top flight for a lot. I think it's about 12 or 13 years, uh, you know, successive years. So they were really, a, you know, a staple. And that, so that was quite surprising when they got relegated. And especially considering that uh, at the very start of that season, of course, they were in Europe and they had that t- terrific, uh, tie against uh, AC Milan very, very nearly uh, knocked them out, you know, in that in that absolutely incredible penalty shootout. I think it went something like 20 penalties or something. Rio have, I think three or four times they had a penalty to to knock out Rio to knock out Milan and just couldn't couldn't get it in the net. And then finally they uh yeah they 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 were knocked out. But uh yeah and then they got relegated, which was a big surprise. But I think when they came up, they they won the You know, they won the second division last season. And when they came up, most people thought of the three promoted sides, they would be the ones who would uh, do, you know, have the most successful season. But yeah, they started off poorly, two straight defeats. Uh, I actually saw their third game uh, against Estoril here, just, uh, you know, just outside Lisbon. And I was very impressed, actually. They drew that game 2-2, but I think they were a bit unlucky not to win it. Uh, they went behind early on. Uh, Estoril did okay for the first 10 minutes. But then, really, to be honest, for the rest of the game, Rio Ave were by far the better team, played some really nice football, uh, went 2-1 up, and then they'd be kicking themselves. They just let, let a late goal, uh, you know, let e- a late equaliser in by Estoril. And so they ended up drawing that game. Uh, and so, yeah, they went into the Porto game with just one point from three games and, um, you know, pretty much no hope. Uh, like you said, Porto this absolutely incredible record of uh, just going unbeaten for over a year, and you know just losing to Braga. But you know when they lost to Braga, they'd more or less had the seeds, had the the title wrapped up anyway. So uh, so yeah, no one was expecting that, and they were three nil down at half time. Absolutely incredible. You know I can't really remember any of the big three being three 0 down to one of the so-called smaller clubs by half time. And, uh, yeah, and they held on well. But, you know, that first half, they, they played really good football. They were all good goals. Uh, Aziz, yeah, he looks like a very interesting striker. You know, really good finishes, good clinical finishes for his two goals. And, again, they've got some good players, uh, Rio Ave. I think the right back, especially Costinha, uh, I think we're hearing a lot about him. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if he gets a move up to a bigger club in, in the quite near future. I really liked their uh, central midfielder Guga. He was fantastic in the Estoril game. Really ran that game, and uh, and the, the right back horse, the, the left back also Pedro Amaral, He had a fantastic game against Porto, a goal and an assist. So yeah, you know it's interesting, Zach. I think a lot of these smaller clubs, you know, or mid-level or smaller clubs, uh, everyone says that, that they always say this, or or the managers of the of the big clubs that. You know, they're increasingly well-organized, uh, more professional in the way they go about things, the way they prepare their season, the way they prepare their squad. So, you know, that would be good if uh, if, we, if we saw these kind of results more often. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if it, you know, if this weekend was a bit of a one-off or, you know, if they'll trip up a few more times throughout the season, the big clubs.
0: Yeah, an absolutely fantastic weekend, I think, for Portuguese football. I think... You know, if 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 Huav can beat Porto, if, if Chaves can beat Sporting, two newly promoted sides, as well as, you know, Pasos de Ferreira, one of the only two sides yet to pick up a point, giving Benfica a run for their money in a 3-2 loss. Uh, I think that's great news for the Portuguese league in terms of the competition. Porto, though, you know, winning their first three matches, as well as the tasa uh, losing to Huav, and... I got to say, I, I feel almost in a similar boat to Sporting because, you know, Porto, like Sporting, they've lost quite a bit of talent. Fabio Vieira, Vitinha, uh, Chancel Mbemba, you know, in my opinion, they definitely need a central midfielder to replace Vitinha's creative impact. And yet it seems like their next signing, perhaps their only signing before the window closes, uh, is Samuel Portugal, uh, of Porto Meneche, fine goalkeeper, 28 years of age, going to join for 4 million euros, it looks like. But, uh, you know, they have the best goalkeeper in Portugal right now in Diogo Costa, a, p- a player who is starting for the Celestial, got a very serviceable backup in Claudio Ramos. And I'm just thinking, you know, why exactly are they bringing in Samuel Portugal when it is clear that they need a midfield signing, perhaps some fullback signings? Curious. What do you make of Porto's business so far? As well as you know, okay, the squad has lost a bit of has lost quite a bit of talent. Is it still capable of putting in another fantastic season as we saw last season under Sergio Conceição?
1: Yeah, well, one thing at a time. I agree with you about this transfer, which is you know news just broke today. Uh, Really, very, very, uh, very strange transfer. You know, if it, if it. Goes through as reported uh like you said you know they've got the best goalkeeper in portugal the best portuguese goalkeeper anywhere at the moment portugal's number one and i think he will be for the you know the next few decades unless someone else emerges or he you know touch wood nothing happens to him in his career in terms of injuries but yeah Diogo costa absolutely fantastic goalkeeper they've got a decent backup like you said in ramos so I really can't understand why they're going out and spending four million euros, which for a Portuguese club, you know, even for the big Portuguese clubs, uh, that's not such a small fee. That's quite a sizable fee. And uh, you know, if it was like an opportunity, if Samuel Portugal was coming to the end of his contract and they could just, uh, you know, see they could pick it up, pick him up on the cheap, okay, you could understand that. But I really can't understand why. Uh, what's going on there? To be honest, very surprising. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's quite similar to to sporting situation in that they've really been impacted by the players they've lost. Uh, you know, Fatinia last season, absolutely superb. Uh, you know, player of the season really in Portugal. Everything Porto did creatively really went through him. You now PSG, they've got so much money, haven't they? But even so, they don't go out and spend 40 million uh, euros on a player. Unless they're pretty sure that you know he is uh, you know the finished product or someone who can really you know add value to their squad, and uh, I think he's been playing regularly, he hasn't he? PSG since he's been there, so yeah, really top quality player. He's, he was always going to be hard to replace, and of course Vieira as well, Fabio Vieira. You kind of forget second half of last season, he was superb as well. You know, scoring goals, providing assists. So that's really a, you know almost the heart of that team. Uh, the creative heart, certainly, uh, you know, almost ripped out of that team. So I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised that they're, they're struggling. Also, I, I'm glad you, you you flagged him up, Mbemba. You know, again, really performed really well last season. Uh, rock solid, I think, one of the best central defenders in Portugal. And so here's another one who's, who's badly missed. Uh, as far as how they go this season, I wouldn't be as worried. For Porto, as I as I would be for Sporting, because Sergio Conceição has already showed in his five years at Porto that he has the ability to really get the most out of his team, and also perhaps more importantly, to kind of mould the team to the players he has available, get the best out of them. It's very interesting, you know. He's been there for five seasons, won won the championship in three of them, but it's almost been five different Porto teams, you know, changing quite radically the way they play football. I think last season was definitely the most kind of easy on the eye, possession-based, you know, slightly less uh, emphasis on the physical aspects of the game. And uh, I'd say probably the most classy of the of the Porto side under Conceição in his last five years. Uh, whereas, you know, his first few seasons, they were all really about power and physique and pace and building around players like, uh, you know, uh, Tiquinho Soares and uh, uh, I forget the name now. Musa Morega, you know, really big, powerful forwards, and uh, yeah. And so I think that Conceicao is still trying to work out his best team. I've been very surprised, I must admit, to see Galeno only used as a substitute because whenever he comes on, he just looks to to be Porto's most dangerous player. You know, he came on against Sporting, I think. 60 minute mark, 70 minute mark, or something, he got man of the match. You know, he was just uh, decisive in uh, scoring and and setting up a goal. Uh, He came on again in this match against Rio Ave and, uh, yeah, completely terrorized really the Rio Ave defense. So I'd be very surprised if he isn't a regular starter very soon. And, uh, yeah, I think Porto will sort themselves out and I think they will be pretty much as strong as ever, but it might take a few weeks then really, you know, to to get going.
0: And Pica, the only team in Portugal who have won every single match. Uh, That's four league wins as well as eight victories in all competitions in the month of August. Fantastic start to life under Roger Schmidt. And they are top of the table. They look set to add Julian Draxler from Paris Saint-Germain. Pasos de and Maricimo, on the other hand, the only two teams yet to pick up a point. Uh, Pasos losing uh, 3-0 to Estoril before losing to Benfica. Maricimo, on the other hand, losing to Portemontes. And Maricimo have conceded the most goals in the league so far. 13 goals from four games. Praga have scored the most with 17. In fact, only Paris Saint-Germain have scored more in Europe's major leagues. Uh, Famalicão have scored the fewest goals, just one goal uh, coming from Zaidou Yusuf, the French midfielder, uh, joining in the summer and scoring in their 1-0 win against Santa Clara. And uh, the team that has conceded the fewest goals.
1: I'm curious, Tom. Yeah, Without checking your laptop. You think? Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I know noticed because I was looking at this yesterday. Actually, it's uh, it's Casapia, isn't it? Casapia. Uh, one yeah. goal from
0: four matches. Casapia uh, playing top flight football for the first time in 83 years. We don't have that much time left, but talk to me a little bit about the third and final. Uh, promoted side. What have you made of Casa Pia so far?
1: Yeah, well, they've, again, exceeded all expectations, I think. they've Again, there's been quite a lot of talk here in Portugal about the way that club is organized. You know, they've been very uh, meticulous in the way they choose the, you know, the, the backroom staff, kind of the scouting staff, uh, football director, uh, the president, everyone that Everyone seems to be on the same page and it kind of shows you you know, if you're well organised and ambitious, and you know, get the right people in the right places, then even if you're a club the size of Casapia, you know, which has got very small uh, fan base, uh, like you said, decades, uh, almost a century since they were last in the in the top flight, uh, you know, it's surprising how far you can go. And yeah, they've, you know, they've the, the only defeat they actually did have was against. Benfica, And they were a little unlucky in that match. You know, to lose, they really matched Benfica, probably gave Benfica their most difficult match of the season. And, uh, and also we have to take into account they're not even playing their home games in their home stadium at the moment because that's being renovated. And so, yeah, they've done tremendously well and it's great to, uh, you know, it's great to see, uh, you know, the three promoted clubs really adding value to the, uh, to the, to the league. Uh I think making it, you know, they're not just making up the numbers. And yeah, it makes for a much more interesting competition. So yeah, all kudos to Casapia. Uh they're doing tremendously well.
0: Tom Gundert, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of Portugal, a must-read website if you want to stay in touch with Portuguese football. Absolute pleasure to have you on, Tom, for today's episode of the Cortalinias podcast. Uh anything else you want to say?
1: Uh, well, no, I suppose we haven't really talked that much. You just have to give kudos to the top two, don't we, Benfica and Braga, because uh, I think Braga especially, you know, I was quite surprised because basically they sold their best player, David Carmel, or I suppose their second best player, David Carmel, to, to Porto, the fantastic centre-back. They, the, their best player, Ricardo Horta, there'd been rumours all summer suggesting that he's going to move to Benfica uh it looks now possibly that will not happen. And uh yeah they've done you know talking about Casapia and what a well-run club it is. Uh you know Braga I think is an example of really an exemplary operation from top down. And uh you know they always really seem to get the most out of out of you know every staff member and their playing squad and their coach even though they <laughs> tend to go to swap their coach almost every season. But uh yeah I think this could be very interesting. It could be a season where they really, uh, you know, get in amongst the big three and perhaps fight for one of those Champions League positions. Uh, and then Fika, yeah, you know, you can't really knock what they've done this season. Four games, four wins in the league, eight games, eight wins overall, winning all their Champions League qualifiers. I think they've also done very good business in, in the transfer market. You know, the two new guys who come in straight into the team, Enzo Fernandes and David Neres, uh both look terrific additions, you know, really, really good. Uh, Enzo especially, I think, you know, he's been almost their best player in, uh, you know, in most games. So I think that's another one who's come over from South America and will probably do what we see so often here in Portugal. These come Argentinians, Brazilians, Colombians, come over, sign for Benfica or Porto usually, have one or two fantastic seasons. And then get sold for, you know, three, four, five times the the price they were bought for. So I think that will probably happen with uh, Enzo Fernandez in the next year or two. So, uh, yeah, good start to the season. Interesting results, you know. uh, Let's see, Zach, uh, you know.